Heartbreak. Wobble. Despair. Let down. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the Mesmerized Studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your host, Robert Taylor and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Well, hello, Atlanta sports fans. How the hell are you? It's time for another action-packed, fun-filled romp through the world that is Believe in Atlanta sports. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is episode 52, and 52 times I've been here with my my uh, my partner, the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello. He's in the house. We're back. And, hey, guess what? We're on another little streak here. We've done about four episodes in a row. We had a, a guest from Believe in Commanders. Uh, we were going to have a Phillies fan on tonight. Uh, I, I guess at this point I can call him Dr. Michael Jindruski. I didn't know he was a chiropractor. Uh, but that's what he does for a living. But chiropractic work, I believe, may have kept him from joining us tonight. But he's going to come on because we're going to beg the well, – we're going to ask the question tonight. But they're going to wait their turn in line because I'm a little disappointed in them. But what's wrong with the Atlanta Braves? We're going to talk about that. Not much, but we do have some things. I got some pointers. I've, I've been doing my homework. I've been reading. But because I am disappointed in them, I'm going to make them wait their turn. I have questions, Mark, Rich. I have questions. My first question is, is Georgia undefeated currently right now in the world of college football? C. Yes. Is Carson Beck, statistically speaking, the greatest, not the greatest, sorry, but right now, the best quarterback in the SEC? C. Do, does our offense, uh, are we in the top five to top three in scoring as well as our defense? Uh, not scoring, but statistically speaking, are we not ranked in the top five in the nation? Top ten for sure. C. So my next question is, what the fuck is everybody's problem? Uh, everybody wants us to lose. You know what it is. Why are people, why, why is our fan base still crying? And why did on CBS they try to push this ridiculous narrative from the from kickoff that Vanderbilt was somehow going to pull this shocker, even though we had the game well in hand, still pushing this narrative. Heather Denich even came on ESPN today, and, and, and God bless her, she's got the biggest balls for a woman I've ever met. She goes on there today and says, despite the fact that Georgia is the two-time, I said two-time defending national champions of all of college football, the fact that we're undefeated, our quarterback is, is having a season. He's doing very well. Number four. Our offense is four in the whole NCAA. <clears throat> Yeah, and number one in the SEC. Our our defense, you know, hey, 
Are we shutting guys down and shutting them out like we were last year? Nope. No. I will say this, though. We're a little dinged up in some places. But some guys are getting work. They're getting experience. It's that next man up mentality. And, and she says they're not not in, and, and in her opinion, don't belong in the top four teams in college football. You can't say anything to justify that. And but, but who does is all I'm saying. If you think that because because we haven't shown you what you expect or if we are not dominating people like you think we should dominate them like i don't i don't give a shit but this is going to happen this is what this is how people get clicks and listens and the whole night we just we just had a a separate conversation but it's the same principle it this bullshit is going to keep happening because people think it's uh you know provocative to talk about how you know the number one ranking being what it is and people think that we're just keeping it because we we did win two national championships in a row and we're undefeated so until we lose we're not going to lose it i don't i don't buy into that shit either like if if they wanted to vote us out of the number one spot they just vote us out of the number one spot that's not it's not like a difficult task it's not like you have to it's not like ratifying an amendment or something you know it if you don't want us to be number one, we don't have to be number one. And and honestly, if if somebody jumped us in the rankings right now, I would understand. Yeah, I said that myself. It definitely would would not take an act of Congress. And I even said after the Auburn game how Michigan performed, maybe we should lose the number one spot. I even said after this Vandy game, still beat them by 17, 37 to 20. And, and we said on Sunday when we were hanging out, Georgia never covers a spread. Almost never. If we're gamblers. this year? Once. <laughs> If you're a gambler and you're betting on the spread against Georgia, you have lost a lot of money in your lifetime. I, I just... Bottom line, though, is we're we're at a point where if you want to say we're not a top-four team in the country right now, then uh, sure, good good for you. Great. Guess what? The fucking playoff doesn't start this week. So we can yeah. be outside your top-four right now. But if we go into... If we go into the playoffs, into the bowl season, with with one loss in an SEC championship or one loss in the SEC championship, guess what, kids? We're going. We're going. We're going. There's, I mean, it, there's very few scenarios I can I can think of because the Big Ten's going to cannibalize each other. They all have to play each other, so nobody's getting out of that thing unscathed. Or if somebody gets it, it's going to be one of them. You know what I mean? So, it, man, I it is what it is. Talk about whatever the fuck you guys want to talk about. Where I'm over here just creating this like epic magical lore of how Brock Bowers is going to come back for the SEC championship game that we're hopefully playing in. And then he's going to come back as this like majestic beast and we're going to ride him all the way through to the national championship. And he's going to go down as a fucking legend. I don't care. I don't care about right now. Like what you have to say going into our bye week. You know what? We were at, this is the perfect time to drop us. You want to knock us? You want to knock us down a peg? Do it when we're not playing anybody. Somebody have a good win that's undefeated. Just just move us down because we didn't play anybody, and that's a good time to do it. I don't care. I don't care what you rank us right now. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. But great. Let's keep talking about it. Let's keep talking about how Brock Bowers is the only reason we were going to beat Florida. 
how that's how that's the current narrative is that all of a sudden we don't have Brock Bowers, so Florida is going to beat us. Now, if Florida comes out and plays a great game and beats us, that good on them. But it's not because we didn't have Brock Bowers. Somebody's like, well, well, well Brock Bowers and Auburn. Listen, that was the first game he actually showed up at, and not like he showed up, but he actually got the ball and got involved. Well, All the games before that, he was blocking. And also, they they said he was hurt the first three games. But either either way, like it, nobody's making excuses. It just is what it is. Like you're you're telling me that like Brock Bowers was the reason that we beat Auburn because Brock caught those balls and Brock did what he did. If Brock wasn't in that equation. You can't tell me we couldn't have won that game, mm-hmm. okay? Because he was there and he did it, he is the reason that we won that game. But, again, it it's just such a weird narrative. Like, why why am I defending this? Why, I know why we're talking about it is because everybody else is talking about it, but, like, I should not have to defend this. This should just be a normal thing. Like, if you don't think we should be ranked number one, that's a fair opinion. And and maybe I even agree with you. Maybe we shouldn't based on our body of work. But like who should be ranked ahead of us and why? That mm-hmm. that's it. Tell tell me why. Do you have better you have better wins against bad teams? Do you like what why why does it why does it matter to you so much? Why do you care what you're ranked right now? Because you know that being ranked during the regular season is gonna be the only fucking thing that you get to hold on to at the end of the year we were we were number one for three weeks before georgia showed back up i it doesn't make any damn sense to me well the thing is is people want to look everybody knows football is a team sport one man does not a team make is he a game breaker is he a guy that can turn the tide real quick with two explosive plays of course but the last time i checked there's a guy on the team named delp pretty good tight end I think there's a kid wears number 84. His name's McConkie. Pretty good receiver, getting healthy. Guess what? A whole week, whole two weeks off before Florida. Mm-hmm. There's a guy, his last name is Jack Saint. I, I think he can catch footballs. There's a guy, last name Lovett. I, I think he can catch footballs. There's a Thomas kid. I, th- I, think, he's a, I think he's a good receiver. So I'm just wondering, uh, we have a literal uh, garage full of Ferraris. And just because one of them doesn't start, <laughs> you know, doesn't doesn't mean our car collection is shit. <laughs> no, well, it, that's the other thing. Like it, it's fine though. Like I'm starting to learn more and more, and the older I get, I just I, I understand the way like this is gonna work, and this is this is just how it's gonna be. Is that like these are the balls people are gonna pick up and run with, you know? And we're just it, we just have to to deal with it. Uh, to me, I, I, it's not that. God, I want him on the field at all times. He is a he's a fucking stud. Like he is a, just a game breaking unit of a human, and apparently the most competitive person on the planet. So of course you want a guy like that out there. But again, if he's not, we 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 have three games without him with really any production. And, and you're telling you're telling me our quarterback is in has the number four statistically rated quarterback in all of college football because they he only throws to Brock Bowers. We nope. broke it down last time. Yeah, they spread the Th- ball around. 33 passes, 10 were to tight ends, only 7 were to Brock. Just because his broke every which way but loose doesn't doesn't mean that somebody else catching those passes is not going to do something similar. 
where it's not going to spread the ball evenly between all those guys. Those 33 passes can still get caught. Hey, you know why I like Oscar Delp? Because the dude can get open and go over the middle. He's a guy that can do that. But I, I, I the, the problem I have is, is when did, when did, it's kind of like when you listen to the news now. It's all a bunch of opinions loosely based on some facts. Whereas Tom Brokaw or, or those guys would just come on and tell you, this is what happened today. They didn't, there was no caveat of, and I think this, or it should be that. When did the sports just get away from some just rational, fact-based reporting of the sports world? When did it happen? I don't like it. I'm never going to like it. I'm never going to get on board with it. It's the reason why I do this podcast in the hopes that somebody hears us and goes, hey, these guys kind of know what they're talking about a little bit. Or, hey, they have a pretty rational, objective approach to how they talk about sports. We're not on here just saying the wildest thing we can say so people will chime in and talk shit to us or tell us we're stupid. I don't want to hear from those people. And I don't want to be that guy. And I just can't believe, like, I I can't tell you how awful – I think CBS's announcers are. I can't tell you the last time I actually, except for college game day, when I was like, let me see what's on ESPN. It's a trash channel now. It's, it's, it's garbage. It's garbage sports reporting. And it's like the news and I don't like it anymore. And it just really irritates the shit out of me because anybody with two cents to rub together in their brain knows that just because Bowers goes down or, you know, Trey Young goes down or, now, if B. John Robinson went down, that'd probably be a little different story. But you know, but why we got a thousand yard know. rusher from last year? I, but I know what you're saying. You know, he he takes away a certain dynamic. But I I don't. I, I was even surprised Paul Feinbaum said Georgia would be in trouble without him. Uh, that just amazed me because Feinbaum's been our biggest supporter, biggest cheerleader this whole time. And I'll tell you why I'm not worried about a Bowers going down to another player because you know who we have on our side. We have Kirby fucking Smart. Thank you. Who is by the way. Arguably, you could argue this, is the best college football coach on the face of the planet right now. Just of what he's done the last three seasons. What are we, 23 in a row now? Two national titles? We have an entire stockyard of blue-chip athletes. And you know I don't care about that. You know I don't care about five stars and all this shit because you got to show and put your fingers in the dirt. But you didn't say five-star. You said blue-chip. Those. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the star count is because last time I checked, we turn a couple of threes into some yeah. real, real gems. So we are an NFL machine. We take guys. I mean, look at Lad McConkey. Nobody wanted that dude. And now look at him. He's going to be an NFL draft pick. Don't know what round. Uh, I, I would I would almost say he's going to stay around for one more year just because he's hurt a lot. No two ways about it. Um, so he could have a stellar year next year and really boost his draft stock. But I, regardless, he's going to go to the NFL. Will he, will he just be a practice squad guy or something? Maybe. Who cares? But, but the point is, is the University of Georgia and Kirby Smart and his way and his staff elevated this kid to the next level. You come, it, you come in, you pay attention, you work hard. Yeah. You got that dog in you, and, and here you are. And it, the funny part, too, is you see all these cats that end up leaving. I call them cats because they can't feel me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Uh, but these guys are all leaving, but the, like some of them are the five-star guys. Some of them are the guys that had all that, all that hype coming in uh, because of their ratings and what they did in the high school. And they don't, they don't have the work ethic. They don't have that team mentality. They don't have 
what they're breeding at Georgia and and they don't they don't hack it they don't they don't make it and they go elsewhere and mm-hmm. and that's fine like but just understand like that's what's happening in Athens doesn't matter what your stars are sure we're gonna have probably a, a, a better chance of landing the guys with the five stars just because of who we are now but it doesn't it doesn't mean anything we we have signed three and fours all the time. And and we signed them early, so like whether you mm-hmm. whether you put all your stock into what you know twenty four seven or or these other these other people are rating these kids, I'm I'm putting stock in the people that are going to meet them, going to see them, watching film on them, talking to them, meeting their parents. I'm taking stock in what those people say are are the people that they want on this team because last time I checked, it's not failing us yet. Yeah, and you know, hey, hey, speaking of flips, it's flipping season. We just got one this uh, this afternoon, Andre Evans. He's a four-star from LSU. He's going to flip and come over to Georgia. There's been some people decommitting. But it 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 just really – We just signed Bo Walker. Yeah, and that guy is freaking huge, man. <laughs> five, five, nine, 205. Yeah, he's a big, healthy back, man. And maybe, maybe he, hey, maybe he's the next uh, Herschel, you know. And I said signed. I think he committed. I maybe, maybe he takes the 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 Walker name and uh, brings it on home. What if he's a combination of both of them? Yeah, who who knows, man? We got to get Bo and Herschel. Yeah, and and, and listen, uh, with two weeks to get healthy, we saw what Kendall Milton's capable of in that in that Vandy game. And speaking of Vandy, this is another thing I want to bring up. People expect that because the team is two and five and you're six and zero, oh, you just whip the shit out of them. Well, let me tell you something. I, at 45 years old, there have been some Saturdays so far where I watched 12 hours of college football, and I watched it, and I paid attention to it. That's not a reality, though. I can't do it every Saturday. I have other things I get voluntold to do, other, other you know, commitments. So how many times in your life have you looked at a team that was a 2-5 and five or a 3-6 and six and go, well, you know what? If this doesn't happen here... And they get a little lucky bounce here. They're five and one. If this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen, so you can't just look at a team's record, and that's what a lot of people do. So unless you're really absorbing every team, every game, and like tracking it like a bloodhound, you can't just expect because you know Georgia was thirty-seven to twenty. Well, Vandy's defense was pretty good. They got a coach there that's okay. He, he, he's his record doesn't uh, you know speak too highly, but it's like Kirby said at the beginning of the year. Hey, if you think our record's soft, come play it. Vandy's two and five, but they still play in the SEC. They still have grown ass men out there ready to knock your face in the dirt. They're they're pretty well coached team, and you can reiterate uh, for the thirtieth time. Everybody gives us their best game. Yeah, man. Because I'm not making excuses for Georgia. You know, do I do I think? I mean, I watched the whole game, and, man, Vandy looked formidable at times. Did I ever think they were going to beat us like CBS would lead you to believe? No. I, I felt like besides the little miscoverage that Malachi blew, and trust me, if you watched the game, you saw Kirby coaching him up and directing him with his hands and saying, hey, you got to be here, you got to do this, and they fixed it by the way, and I'm not making excuses for Georgia. I'm just saying before you jump in that rabbit hole of, hey, you know, they're two and seven, we should beat them 62 to nothing, watch some film on them. God, you know how much film is on YouTube now? Everybody has film breakdowns. Well, and the problem is you look at what we did to them the, the 
prior two years and and people just expected it to to happen like that again and i mean there were some there were some miscues on offense there's a couple of couple of passes that if they were a, a yard in a different direction then it might have been 50 something you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it you have to look at it both ways just because it's a close game for them it could have easily been a blowout for us you know a couple of mistakes but we still we still won the game and again i'm i'm with you too like i'm not here to make excuses for georgia georgia doesn't do everything perfect and it's not the same team that you're used to watching over the last couple of years but it doesn't mean they're not like they're not as good in different ways, you know what I mean? I, it's so, it's so weird because now we're under a freaking microscope, and you have to you have to be on defense every single every single day, um, because everybody wants to talk shit. Yeah, well, so we we are too young to remember uh, that first national title in eighty or eighty one. But when was the last time you looked at that Coke bottle and looked at all the looked at the schedule? Some pretty fucking close scores on there. Yeah, it's 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 not. I think what happened is everybody just looks at what Alabama did, and, and let me tell you, what Alabama just went through with Nick Saban and all that. I'm not saying Saban can't get them back. I do, however, I'm a firm believer that their time is over, and Nick Saban is on the back nine of his career, and Alabama football has been dethroned. But that was unrealistic. What we'll never see a run, I don't think in college football a run like Alabama just had ever again where they just destroy every opponent and just completely dismantle them football teams are well coached they're tough kids they got heart they're they're college football players and nil is almost effectively going to change that i'll be interested to see where that goes because the ncaa is sticking its beak in and, and, and the word regulation has come out so sure but but you know what i mean yeah with the with that ability even if they do regulate it it's going to spread the wealth a little bit more mm-hmm. it's going to people are going to go to schools for money uh for their nil deals as much as they are going to go because they want to be a part of the the georgia program and i i mean i i do think that that we might set ourselves apart a little bit because, you know, you got people coming here for a specific reason. And if that's, I mean, that's going to play well for our football team. Whereas if you got some people going elsewhere because of money, then maybe you want them elsewhere. Yeah. The only, the only thing I see about that is like a team like a Georgia tech, because trust me, there's plenty of wealthy Vanderbilt alumni. Mm -hmm. Most of them don't give a shit about football. They're intellectuals. They don't go to the games. <laughs> so, I, but I'm not saying there aren't wealthy uh, Vanderbilt fans that don't go to the games. I'm not saying somewhere in the Vandy family there's a T Boone Pickens who's willing to you know bankroll the football program and build it up and win a title. My only problem is, is I don't ever want to see Vanderbilt do that because as proud and as mouthy as they are with as bad of a program as they'd had forever, I I don't want to see any national title shirts with that stupid fucking anchor down bullshit on it. That is the lamest thing in all of college football I've ever heard. That's the lamest cheer ever. I hate it so much when I hear it. I'd rather like rub a cheese grater on my ear than listen to the Vandy fans anchor down. It's so terrible. But anyway, I digress. Long story short, George is number one until somebody proves otherwise. Or period. Guys, just vote us out of the number one spot. Just. For God's sakes, it's not that big of a deal. Like, see at the end. like I don't know uh, who plays. You know, I know we play Georgia, Florida in a couple of weeks. I don't know. I think maybe 
maybe Penn State, Ohio is this weekend. Penn State, Ohio State might be this weekend, but it could be the next weekend. So if Ohio State, you know, pulls an upset, uh, actually, I think, no, yeah, they're ranked lower. But whatever, you know, if, if Michigan beats Ohio State and we play a subpar game against whoever, maybe give Michigan the spot. But I just think as long as Georgia can, I'm conflicted. Sometimes I think maybe we're not worthy of the number one spot because of how we perform, and, and I look at Michigan, Ohio State, FSU, and how they played, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe, maybe there should be a flip-flop. But I also think, too, that until somebody fucking beats us, because we've won back-to-back and we're undefeated, it's ours until somebody knocks us off that perch. And I don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. We'll see, we'll see what Tennessee's all about. Not that we haven't this weekend in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I work with some Tennessee fans, and I don't know if they're just being coy or what, but they are uh, just thinking it's just going to be a disaster, and we can't win. We're not that good. It, it really is like Tennessee fans are trying to play the reverse psychology game now because boy, they would not shut up before the season, but now after getting humbled by Florida. Oh, oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Not so fast. We're not that good. Probably won't win, you well, know. When they do beat Alabama, because I think they're going to beat Alabama this weekend, uh, don't worry. They'll start talking again. Oh, God, yeah. The, they'll come out of the woodworks, but... <clears throat> it's okay. It's good for ratings. But I, I... And I'll be honest, I'm still, still not completely sold. We'll be in Houston in January. I know we're a very good football team, but like you said, uh, you know, I watch games like Vandy. I watch games like Auburn. Now, the thing is, is we've won the close games. We've hung around. We've battled back. We've stayed in there. We've 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 kept chopping wood. What do you, you attribute know? that to? Kirby Smart, the mentality. You know, we have Kirby, man. Uh, I think as long as he's here, uh, you know, the only thing I worry about, I, I think we're years away from it because I think we're always going to find that good talent, but I just think, the Nick Saban coaching carousel is kind of, I think he's just kind of worn out his welcome. I mean, everybody that has been there, there's a Kirby Smart who's a head coach. You know, Bill O'Brien has left and gone back to the NFL. And there's all these guys, and, and now he's got Tommy Rees from Notre Dame. not saying Tommy Rees isn't smart. I'm not saying he's not the next great OC, but he's young. He doesn't have a lot of experience. This is his first, you know, go-around in the SEC. So I don't, I, I don't think they have a lot of great talent there right now coaching wise I think because so many people go there to launch their careers they go well give me a couple seasons in Alabama under Saban and I'll I'll go be I'll, I'll get out of town you know that's going to start to happen in Georgia I mean it's it going kind of already has yeah we, we lost yeah. Munkin uh, Lanning um Pittman to Arkansas yeah and done so hot and uh but it doesn't matter but we still lost potentially the best offensive line mind Yep. We had uh we had uh, some some sick bastards down there while he was here. Matt Luke, uh he was good, but he took time off. Maybe he comes back one day and uh he's hanging out with the family, uh stepping away from football. But I like the job Tracy's done so far. I no, I, I can't complain. I'm good. Uh that's what I'm saying. Like right now, like you are seeing us lose people to, you know, head coaching jobs into the NFL, but like still we're still we're still in there like swimwear. Oh yeah, still still kicking ass and taking names and man, I I cannot believe though we're already at the bye week before Florida. This season's going to be over before you know it. It's just so ridiculous. Um again, it, it's hard it, it's hard for me to say just all in, yeah, we're going to do it. Do I see us losing? Not really. But I also just watch what the fucking Atlanta Braves did. Here we go. 
Yeah. Um, and, and we're going to have uh, Michael on here because he's probably the only Philadelphia fan I'll ever meet. I haven't met him, but I see his Facebook post, and he seems like a very level-headed, rational, objective sports fan. He's very intelligent about baseball, too. So, so. he's probably the only Philly fan I'll ever like. Uh, but we're going to get him on the show because it would be fun to talk baseball with him. And uh, he, he brought up some interesting points. But, you know, I didn't speak it into existence, but I have to – I got to come clean. I got to tell the truth, everybody. I didn't I didn't say it out loud, but a part of me at the end of the season, just watching all this offensive stuff and, and things we've been through in the past with Atlanta sports and everything, I said, what if we go to Philly and the bats go cold? And damned if they didn't. Damned if they did not. We could not hit a bull in the ass with a base fiddle. We couldn't hit water if we fell out of the boat, broadside of a barn. We could go on for days. So the question I'm asking because there is something, it's not a big something, but there is something. And the question I'm asking is, what's wrong with the Atlanta Braves? Shit, they look like they didn't have any balls out there, man. Now we got we got punked. <clears throat> we got we got punked by the Phillies, man. That's plain and simple. I and and the last two years, you you look at like the the end of the season was such a like a such a race for something. You know, it was to to beat to catch and beat the Mets two years ago and this year was all the records that we were chasing at the end of the season and then like you take that collective breath at the end because the season's over and what do you got what do you got left and those bastards came in here mean and hungry and angry and then just man they they had shirts they had t-shirts made talking shit about arcia like i man they I don't I don't want to say I don't want to believe that they wanted it more but like damn that was a that was a rough watch. Well, you know the Braves went up to Philly and and needed to clinch the division and they took three what three out of four from them. Sure. So, you know, hey, they wanted to win the division. So that's you got to have your competitive juices flowing. Uh the Cubs came into town and if they would have done something in that series, they could have snuck in and and got a playoff appearance, but we shut them down, we swept them. So I was like, "Oh yeah, man, the Braves are you know, we're we're hot we're making a charge but and again i'm not going to make excuses but the winning is is the biggest thing this i've thought about this a lot and i know i called you the other night from the garage and we talked about this but it's funny how winning masks problems sure and and it's funny how as you and i as much as we talk about sports and we get on here and we read about it and, and we drink it and we all the things neither one of us it didn't occur to me until the end of the season and you know what I did? The night we lost to the Phillies and they advanced, I sat in bed and I looked at almost every Brave score for the entire year. And you know what it was? We we sat on this show and said, what left field problem? Because Acuna, uh, uh, Rosario did get on a run. Ozuna woke the fuck up, went on a run. But they were not consistent. But we, 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 we ran the we don't have a problem narrative because all the winning – and we said we don't have a pitching problem. And again, starting pitching, you know, you looked at the league leaders, we we went on a run. You look at the bullpen, we went on a run, but we didn't stay consistent. And because we won so stinking much, you go, well, there's nothing wrong then. Everything's fine. It's kind of like in the restaurant business, you know, when, when everybody sees the whole dining room is just filled and it's three deep at the bar and the place is booming and rocking and they go, oh, we're good. We don't have to listen to Mark to get better about anything. Look at this place. It's banging in here. We don't have to be better at our jobs. Look at it. 
And then you go, no, the fuck you do. Because a lot of the scores were 9-6, So we outscored a lot of people. So that's the biggest thing is we've got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to work on pitching. And the thing, and he'll, he'll tell us when he's on here, but the, the thing that uh, Michael said to me that, that hit home most was that the Braves, he said, the Braves didn't play meaningful baseball for two months. And, you know, taking going to Philly and getting those games and clinching and all that good stuff, like, sure, that's, that's meaningful baseball, but big picture... Like, what happens if you win or lose this game? Eh, not much either way. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know, I don't know whose job that is. If Should it be anybody's job to get you up for a game? Should you just fucking be ready so you don't have to get ready? Like, what, what, what does that even mean? Like, when he said it, it made sense. But, like, at the same time, that should not be a thing. It's not a thing for the Astros. Like, they, they don't. They didn't, like, shut down at the end. They've been doing this consistently for a while. Like, I don't, I don't understand, and I, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not looking to place blame, but I don't know who I would even try to place it on. I'll, I'll tell you, and because Snicker said this, and, and I can't remember, and it doesn't matter uh, it was who I was listening to, but when asked about who the leader of that franchise is, Snick goes, well, we kind of all do it. Well, no. Someone in that clubhouse, and I think it just might be Spencer Strider, has got to step forward and say, "This is my team." We're, you know, and Bryce Harper's the clear-cut leader, but he's got his little band of goons and that greasy-haired fuck Brandon Marsh and that fat Kyle Schwarber, his little spanky, is what I call him. But anyway, they got up for it. There's got to be somebody that stakes, you know, stands up in front of everyone that just kind of leads the pack and says, hey, let's get up for this game. It was Chipper Jones for the longest time. He had Glavin Maddox, Smoltz, Holden Kangaroo Court constantly back in the day. It was Freddie when he was here. Did you see Ronnie's post? Uh, I did not. But I will say, I think next year, uh, even if they win 110 games, they're not going to play – meaningless baseball because now they've got two seasons of the stink and the sting that is falling to the Phillies who somehow two seasons in a row now have been able to find that magic the Braves found in 21 and just get on a the Phillies are winning the world no well Texas looks pretty darn good it's going to be a good series but Texas and Philly is they're going they're both going they're up two games and nothing the D-backs are not stopping the Philly train no uh I don't think Houston's uh going to stop Texas I don't so know how the D-backs stopped the, the Dodgers, but well, here we are. That's another thing, too. I'm not saying this is why it happened. I'm saying we've got to find a way to beat it, just like the Dodgers got to find a way to beat it, just like the Orioles got to find a way to beat it. But time off is bad. Now, how do the Astros do it? I don't know. Maybe Brian calls Troy Snitker, his son, and goes, Troy, what did you guys do? How are you guys doing it? But I also think it might be that absence of that leader going, hey, guys, I know we're banging home runs and we're up by 14 games. We got playoffs coming, and playoffs are different. We got to get up for this. You guys got to stay fired up. You got to stay focused. You got to stay motivated. Was anybody doing that? I don't know because I'm not inside the walls of that clubhouse. But right here, you heard it. 
Brian Snitker said we kind of all do. I think every team that's successful, you can ask them who's the leader, and they'll point to, oh, it's him all day long. He's the club. It's always the clubhouse leader, not the clubhouse leaders. So that guy's got to step forward. And although I know this is not his M.O., and I know he has the potential to, I'd like to see a little more fire from Snit. You know, because after the after the loss, he was just kind of like, hmm. uh, you know, didn't that? He, he was just very morose, very just, and I know they're all disappointed. You don't think there's anybody more disappointed in this team themselves than you're stinking wrong. Like, they hate it more than we do. They hate the fact that they're all sitting at home right now watching those dirty-ass Phillies march all the way to the World Series for the second year in a row when I don't care what anybody says. We have a more talented defense and offensive players. Now, their pitching was better, flat out. Way better. So, um, But I will say this. Uh, I know it's not his M.O., but I would like to see a little more fire from him, a little more, you know, oomph, hurrah. I, I don't think like people are saying, and look, Alex Anthopoulos came out and said it, his job was never in danger. It's not a thought and because, and for those of you that think Brian Snicker is such a trash manager and you shit on him all the time, and this is not me making shit up. This is on 680. Go in the app, look it up, listen to the interview. Alex Anthopoulos said straight out, 100%, we don't take home that world title without Brian Snicker in 2021 and the decisions he made and how he handled that roster, period. He's like, let's just put that to bed right now. He's our guy. He won us a World Series, six division titles, Probably going to win a seventh. He doesn't want to hear it. No, nope. Snicker is not going anywhere. Put it to bed. And period. The thing, the the other thing that's got me more, I, more fired up than the actual loss is these fucking idiots coming back out of the woodwork, talking about all the Braves do is choke. We are two years removed from a World Series, and we are just choke artists. It's somehow. The Braves organization is predisposed to choking because in the, in the 90s we only got one, and then we we won all those uh, all those titles, but we never won a World Series. You know, sh- I can't. I hate him. I hate him so much. I I know. It's, I, I know. I'm gonna pull the horse out of the stall. This thing is dead as fuck. I'm gonna beat it a little bit, and uh, I'll, I'll use the voice that we always heard. Winning is hard. And and the thing is, is as annoying as we found that guy to be uh, after a while, he ain't wrong, man. So many things have to go right. You have to be dialed in on all levels. The Phillies right now are dialed in in every aspect of their game. Mm-hmm. The Braves were not. And again, I'm not making excuses because they're not excuses. These are things that happened. Last year, Strider was not stretched out in a abdominal thing. Freed had the flu. This year, Freed doesn't touch a baseball for 18 days. Charlie Morgan goes down. Kyle Wright goes down. Bryce Elder looked fantastic for two innings, and he imploded. And again, our bullpen was not consistent. The winning masked problems. We've got to go find, and and I got a list here of some guys. I think we declined the option on Eddie. Maybe we can re-sign him for cheap. We owe the guy $9 million. That's a lot of money for a guy that wasn't consistent. It's not an everyday player. Brad Hand, adios muchacho. See you later. You have lost it. You don't have it. I don't want to see you back here again. Colin McHugh, I think, has got to go. I think we got to keep Kirby Yates, but we've got to find 
better, more consistent play from our left fielder. We've got to go after, hey, man, there's some pretty interesting free agents. And a guy that I like a lot who has lost some velocity, but he seems like he's learning more how to pitch is Sonny Gray. I think he's 36 years old, but he does not give up a lot of home runs at all. And he's gotten them better. He's still got some velocity. He's out there. Marcus Stroman is out there. Uh, Aaron Nola, A number one, I think. I don't know. You know, AA always is very like, well, you know, we money, things got to work out. We've got money. We at very at least got to tender an offer just to see what he says. So there's some pitching out there. We got to go after it because we no longer can sit back and go, well, we've got Mike Soroka. Again, his journey to come back is still in the process, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I think his journey is still in the process. I think this year was a step in the right direction, but again, he did get shut down a little bit. But, um, you know, you, you no longer can bank on that. We, we've long said that, well, Ian Anderson, if he can develop a third pitch, he'll be fine. Can't bank on that anymore. Kyle Wright's gone. Now in the bullpen, we got Matzik coming back. We've got plenty of lefties. We need some more reliable righties. Um, but, you know, we got, you know, Smith Shawyer. We got some young arms. The Braves have loaded up on arms. But I'll tell you a guy that is still interesting to me because he's still very young. And I hated that we had to roll him out there to end the, end the series. But he was the AAA most valuable player. Vaughn Grissom, the guy's still 23 years old. The guy can still play baseball just because he hasn't lived up to what you guys think. And, hey, Maybe maybe he needs that shot, you know. Maybe he needs that shot to play every day. Put him in left field and let him hit, you know. The guy's still talented. I don't think it's – I would like to maybe see a package where we, we send Rosario and uh, Ozuna somewhere and see if we can get somebody, you know. I don't think with the, with the firepower we have, we don't need a, a crazy good defensive left fielder. We need a good defensive left fielder. But he doesn't have to hit three thirty three. He can get 275 and hit 27 home runs. I'll be just fine with that because we got enough firepower to go around for everybody. But I do want to see next year the Braves maybe not rely on the home runs so much. I'd like to see them play a little more. AA talked about it. A- ABC Baseball, he said, timely hitting. He said, if you watch that series close enough, there were a few moments. If we would have just got one timely hit there, one timely hit there, we're having a different conversation. And and I liked you know hey it was it what a moment it would have been if he would have just had that last little uh, sip of milk out of the Wheaties bowl and and enough to get it over the fence but I'm screaming at the television the whole time and again I'm not saying I know better than Brian Snicker or the Atlanta Braves but I'm screaming shorten your swing and put the ball in play our backs against the wall don't try to hit a grand slam shorten it up slap one in, into left center right center I don't give a shit get it in play. And the Braves didn't do that in a couple of situations. Yep. Remember the 21 World Series? Fucking Travis Darnode was swinging so hard he was almost coming out of his shoes. And I was like, God, stop it. Just And, and I get it. It's good for the game. Home runs are exciting. You know, the old adage, the old Nike thing, chicks dig the long ball. But, man, I just think they have to be uh, tweak it a little bit there and understand, like, hey, man, if this is like June 18th, and we're 10 games up. Ronnie, go up there hacking, baby. Let's see if we can get out of here with a big, exciting win. But if it's game on the line, game's on the line, backs against the wall. T- guys, tonight, if we don't win, we go the fuck home. I'm telling Ronnie, hey, shorten it up. Be a ball player. Get two in. It didn't happen. So 
I, I, I still fully trust Alex Anthopoulos. I know I told you this 100%. the other day. He landed at 4 a.m., got off the plane, and went straight to the stadium and broke down the entire roster. The guy went back to work because he's not happy at all. No one in Atlanta is. And in a small way, I'm kind of glad this happened because maybe we thin out the herd some <laughs> and we can get some better seats next year and get rid of the boo birds and, and the idiots. Uh, maybe they've, you know, they... Those, the Homer are called silver linings. Yeah, Homer that goes back into the bushes, you know. Maybe they, they take their shirts off because they've been rah-rah Braves fans since 21, but now with these two disappointing losses, I'll put mine away until they go back to the World Series and win Until they again. stop choking. Yeah, so maybe those guys will go away for a season or two and we can enjoy it. But, man, I'm still with them. Still love you, Atlanta. Still love you, Braves. I hate that I'm so emotionally invested in you because you ripped my heart out two years in a row, but you also met a freight train that was the Phillies. You got to take your hats off to them. You can't just say, the you know, it was all Braves because, hey, man, Phillies brought their A game. I, that, that, you know, what is it, about a quarter of the way, midway through the season last year, they switched managers to their current guy. They go on a run. Uh, they put it all together. They get to the series. They lose to Houston. Same thing this year. You know, they just kind of hang around and play baseball. Then all of a sudden, uh, guys like Nick Castellanos, Castellanos, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but I don't care. I'm going to mispronounce it anyway. Castellanos or whatever. Fuck you. Uh, all of a sudden, he's Lou Gehrig, hitting home runs right and left. He's never been, I mean, he's bounced around. Till, uh, he was with the Reds. He was with the Tigers. Uh, never really batted for average. All of a sudden, he's Babe fucking Ruth. You know, but that's the playoffs too, though. This shit happens. It's just annoying. Yeah. Phillies are the most, and I love it now because this is the Braves Mets shit is over. That's done. There is no more rivalry there. The Mets are dead. Stick a fork in them. They're going to suck for a while, and we've owned them. This is the new hot rivalry right here. And I, I want another piece of those bastards real bad. And I don't want them in the NLDS next year. I want winner take all, go to the World Series. I want an NLCS seven-game series with the fucking Phillies next year, and I want to stuff it down their throat. And that's what every Braves player in that organization is feeling right now. They just got to find a way to harness that and hold on to it for another 365 fucking days. <laughs> and I don't think they're not they're not going to not do that. So anyway, I don't want to wish away the holidays, but, man, I'm looking forward to Valentine's Day. And not because I spend any time with my girlfriend because we don't celebrate, but pitchers and catchers report. I'm ready to get back at it. This stings, it hurts, and it's just the insufferable shit talking that hurts the most that you have to hear. You go to a bar, you go to a restaurant, you go to a Falcons game or wherever. I went to work with my Braves gear on for casual Friday, the Thursday after we lost, and they were like, take that shit off, man. I'm like, nope, I'm with my boys, win, lose, or draw. Which one of you wants to smoke first? Yeah, you know, thinner flush. Thick or thin, high or low, I'm with them. Went out to public since I heard some people chirping, and I was like, oh, fuck, man. That's why I just want to go to them. I wish I could get in the clubhouse and see, guys, this is what happens. <laughs> could, could we not have this? Do you know how you impact my life? Yeah, you're impacting my life here. You're making it not fun, okay? I still wear your shit, but I got to put up with shit to wear your shit. Can we stop this, you know? <laughs> Can we just stop? You're killing me. Um... But again, Braves are going to be back. We are locked up with talent. We've got money to spend. We've got arguably the greatest GM in the, in the game right now, and if not 
the greatest top three easily. Without question. Um, you And you have to trust them. Just because it didn't work out again this year, you can't forget what happened all season long. Yeah. Um, whether whether we were covering up for deficiencies or whatever, we we covered up for them. We, we did really well. So it, <clears throat> you yeah. have to trust and believe that he's going to go out there and make the moves. And now we did come into this season, mind you, with a whole shitload of 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 ideas, of thoughts, um, presumptions of what this team was going to be. Presumptions that Kyle Wright was just going to come back his same self mm-hmm. from last year, and and everything was going to be fine, and and we would eventually get Soroka back, and Ian Anderson would be back, and we all these assumptions about what this year was going to be, and not all of those things worked out, and that happens in sports. Um, that's why we we love it because it 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 hurts us. Sometimes. Also, why we hate it. Yeah, yeah, but that's <laughs> that's why you can't yeah. It's it's all all feelings, right? But you just have to look at it like they learned a lot this year. They learned they learned a lot more this year um, after losing to the Phillies than they did last year. Because you lost to the Phillies last year, it sucked. You had some, you know, I guess excuses you could have made, or or not even excuses, but you had um, reasoning behind why things happened the way that they happened. But then you came into this season, thoughts of things getting back to the way that they were and you didn't you didn't think anything was going to be too terribly bad and even at the the trade deadline when half the people were like oh you got to go get pitching now like those people are on top of their soap boxes oh yeah they're ready to put their resumes in and become the team owner because they had it all figured out they had the answer uh but you know what you live to you live to fight another day there's going to be, barring any uh, nuclear events or, uh, you know, divine intervention, there's going to be another season of Braves baseball very soon. Really, we'll be here before you know it. I cannot believe we're in the bye week, like I said earlier. The college football season is coming to a close already. What is this, week eight? Don't say that. I know. It's week eight, man. It's week eight. Uh, we have fewer games to play than we've played. Uh, Thanksgiving, I mean, God, it's what is it? Today is October 18th. Cannot believe it's October 18th. I don't know where it went. But long story short, the Braves will be back. Like the Phoenix, they will rise from the ashes, and they will uh, – I think I think AA and the guys get it done this year. And just like I said, I think the stink and the sting of this is is something that is, is – Austin Riley and those guys can be somewhere vacationing right now, but their girlfriends are probably like, cheer up, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. What's wrong with you? Like, no, there's no stirring pissed. their drink and just feeling, fuck this, Cancun's nice, but yeah. I'm fucking pissed, you know? <laughs> and you, and that's the thing. You know they all are. And you you have to, not my my assumption is that you you learned a lot this year. You learned a lot about your baseball team. You know a lot about your guys and what they're capable of. And you know that you can't assume shit. Hell no. And you go into next year, hopefully thinking that way. I'm, hopefully, we make him push for Nola. I, I'd, I'd love to see him in a Braves uniform. Yeah, dude's good. And I still am wondering how the hell we missed out on Zach Wheeler. Guy grew up right down the road from the studio here, not far in Dallas. Boy, missed out on that. But hey, we can't live in the past. He pitches for Phillies. He's locked up. He ain't coming to Atlanta. But Nola's a free agent. Like I said, we got some other guys: Sonny Gray. Uh, there's Marcus Stroman. There's there's some quality arms out there. I think we will bring a couple in either via free agency or trades. 
you know, maybe this Smith Shaw, your kids comes to, comes to spring training and he's awesome. You know, maybe he earned his way into the starting rotation. I still believe in Bryce Elder. And again, this is not an excuse, but this was his first full season in the majors. So he got a little tired towards the end, but he's going to he's gonna have more endurance, more stamina, and get more stretched out. When they know exactly what to work with him on. Yeah, and he is a – I see him as an innings eater because he doesn't have a lot of velocity. He, he's very much kind of a Greg Maddox-type guy. Placement, command, control, keep it low in the zone, get some ground balls. Uh, so I still believe in him. But we don't even know if Max is coming back either. I would like to think that happens, but guess what? Two years, two superstars are gone out of Atlanta in Freddie and Dansby. So I would like to think Max likes it here. He wants to be here. I know he's a West Coast guy. We got him from the Padres. I think he hails from out that way. I don't know what the heartstrings or the family are telling him. So until he's locked up, you know, we got work to do, and we're going to do it. The winter meetings are going to be exciting. Those are going to be some fun episodes. But we're going to quietly say goodnight, baseball. You sleep tight. Stay warm. We'll see you soon. See you soon. See you real soon. We're going to wake you up in a, in a few months. But uh, now we've got to we got to move on, and we're not going to get there yet. But uh, I was surprised because the commission said, man, opening opening day for the Hawks is next week. And I was like, fuck, what? Shit, where did that come from? So we're going to see if we can get Believe in Hawks guests on here. But the biggest thing I want to talk about is Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We sat in the owner's suite. Uh, up there in the Gullwing Club, and this place was ridiculous. I have never been anywhere in any stadium that was nicer. We're talking marble staircase, like Gone with the Wind, marble floors, like they call it the Gullwing Club, like brisket, seafood. I was looking at Terry Fontenot through plexiglass. Yeah, Terry Fontenot was to our left, but it was also weird. Very, very, very weird. And I also fucked up on Sunday. I overindulged. I, I I enjoyed myself a little too much because guess what the drinks were free, and I had uh, I had my uh, my 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 riding partner with me, but my buddy, my buddy Justin's wife Jessica, you get her and I together, and we start the drinks start flowing. So I drank a little too much. You what? You whatever. You only live once, right? But uh, probably shouldn't have drank as much as I did. But I will say this: they made her go and get Falcons gear because she's a Commanders fan. They yeah, said, right, they did. Can't wear that in the owner's booth. And I was like, eh, whatever. I didn't, I, again, didn't raise a stink. I was just like, well, okay, kind of weird. But then when they left, they kept eyeballing us. I just got the most uncomfortable feeling from them that they were looking at us like we weren't, that we somehow stole a wristband and snuck in there. I just, I never felt comfortable in there. I felt like people were looking at us like we didn't belong. And the whole time in that booth, it was just strange to me. Me, I just walked around there like I owned it and drank every one of those Coke Zeros that I have. Yeah, right? <laughs> they had a really cool, like, kind of transparent TV in the mirror in the bathroom, so you didn't miss any uh, action. The view was phenomenal. Talking 45-yard line, second level. Is Yeah. Game, not so much, but I'm going to say this. Desmond Ritter played a little better, but very similar game to Jalen Hurts that afternoon. And the Eagles lost. I don't see anyone saying he should not lose his starting job. Desmond Ritter did make some mistakes in that game. I think he threw the ball like 40-something times, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but we dropped one to the commanders. Uh, we had a milestone. Calais got 47. his— 47. Yeah, 47. Calais uh, got his 100th sack of his career, so that was nice. But uh, I, I'm still not 
I'm still not, uh, you know, down on the Falcons. Um, that was a tough game. Well, I think, what was it, 24-16 was the final? Yeah, 24-16. God, man, you just look at some of the things in that game, but... I, and I'm, you know me, I'm a silver linings guy, and I'm, I'm always, I, I was pissed at the end of that game, but I, I'm always going to be a silver linings dude, and I saw a, a bunch of stuff that I, that, that was good, man. Like, I, you can't, you know, you give up that long uh, kick return, and, and it, it sets them up to score. I mean, I think Sam, uh, Sam Howell went for like 150 yards and three touchdowns. Like, it, he, it wasn't slinging the ball over the field. Our defense actually played well, but they just got put in really bad situations. Mm-hmm. So, man, I don't, I don't know what to, I, I really don't know what to make of it. A lot, a lot of be is being talked about uh, as far as like coaching decisions and like in screwing up uh, as far as getting the plays in towards the end, like that that series where we were uh, second and goal, and we got to delay a game. Then we almost got back-to-back delay of games, but then they rushed the play, and he threw a pick in the end zone. I mean, like that play right there could have been the difference in the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's still a young guy, still his rookie season. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> and it, it's so like growing pains. And this is this is a coach working with a rookie quarterback. So maybe maybe they're still working their shit out. Like I get I get how everybody wants to be like, oh, we should have won that game. You know, Arthur's not doing his job right. Desmond's not the guy we thought he was. I, I still don't think you can say all those things. So my my question is this: Do the Falcons need an offensive coordinator? Um. So does Arthur? Does, kind of similar to what they're doing in Carolina now. He's uh, Frank Reich has surrendered play calling, and uh, they're going to have an OC now calling plays for Bryce Young. Does Arthur maybe need to step back and say, hey? I'm going to have a hand. I'm going to be in the room. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be at the meetings. I'm going to be part of the game plan, but I'm going to hand over play calling to you. I'm going to hire a real true OC. Well, he brought his guy in. He brought Dave Ragone in. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the dynamic is there. I don't know if that's an issue or if there was some miscommunication there. I don't, we don't know those things. But for me, though, it, the pain is in the fact that I know if a few if a few things go our way, if that if that ball to Van Jefferson is a half a yard short, that's a touchdown, mm-hmm. right? There there are just some some missed opportunities. When and then the mistakes though, the mistakes were big, right? The mistakes were glaring and impactful. So you look at those, and that's an easy it's an easy way to say that's that's what turned the game around. But I also I I'm I'm in the giving the benefit of the doubt stage of this Falcons rebuild, and I'm gonna stay in that for the rest of the season. Like I I, I get it. Do it. Are there better quarterbacks than Desmond Ritter right now? Yes, but we do not know, we do not know at all what he can do. You I mean we just uh, we, you see glimpses of awesome, and then you see really bad mistakes. So uh, some people choose to look at one. And make their decisions. Some people choose to look at the other. I'm still right in the middle. No, 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 no. Desmond Ritter's the first rookie quarterback ever to have flashes of brilliance and make mistakes. No one's ever done it before him. I, this is unprecedented. Things we're seeing here. I, it's revolutionary. Yeah, but here's the thing. 
I, I think we as fans, and you and I, because uh, especially because we saw the practices and they were juiced, and the fans were out, and you know, hey, Ritter's got this great football acumen. He's got a great understanding. He's got poise. He's got a great grasp of the playbook. This and that. I think we oversold it a little bit because he got four starts at the end of a failed season, not much preseason action, and then he runs out there. So that's where I'm at. I'm like, you know what? We got a little too, got a little too antsy for pro football. Got a little too, too much fervor for the Falcons, and we oversold them a little bit. We, they were, they were not as quite as good as advertised. I still say we beat last year's win total. I said 11 games. I'm thinking more like maybe eight or nine now. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not. I haven't given up on Ritter. I really haven't. Uh, uh, because like you say, there are times where he, man, look at that kid. Then you go, oh yeah, rookie. They also did the thing we talked about on last week's podcast. They the the front four for the damn commanders came to play. They shut our rush game down. I mean, we we ran the ball. It, we, he threw it twenty six times, and we uh, I'm sorry, forty seven times. Des threw the ball, and we rushed the ball twenty six times. That is not a Falcons ratio. There, that is not a normal Falcons ratio. Um, that's not a winning ratio, in my opinion, for this team. So. You, but they, I mean, Deron Payne was out there slinging people. Like it was, it was, I mean, it it was tough to watch because we talked about it. They need to show up and stop our running game is what Brian said that he, his key to winning was. And mine was established a running game and in his one. Yeah. And, sure. and you hear Kirby Smart say this quite a bit in his uh, talks with the media is they made us one dimensional or the losing coach will go, oh, Georgia made us one dimensional. Well, that, that to me says the Falcons were a little one-dimensional. If you throw it that much, more, 50% more than you ran it, that to me is saying we can't hit on shit, even though we got Tyler and Bijan back here. They're, they're all over us today, guys. Throw it. But, but again, I, want the, I, 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 need those, I need those adjustments to be made. I need, I need for you not to go away from using those guys because, I mean, let's see. Bijan caught the ball five times for 43 yards. He rushed the ball 13 times for 37 yards. Like it not effective. No. But but there's ways to get there's ways to get the guys the ball in the backfield. There's ways to simulate. There's ways to do things a little bit differently. There if you can't run up the middle, stop running up the damn middle. Yeah. Stop. Stop running right at Deron Payne, who's already in the backfield every time. Every time you snap the ball, um, I, again though, that offensive line is is a hot topic for me every week. I watch it; it makes me nervous. We need more. It, it just is what it is. Um, but we know that that's that's a known issue that we have. So. I, I just need the game planning to be a little bit better. But I'm I'm going to stick with wanting Arthur Smith and his squad to I don't know, man. Honestly, I, I really don't know. I just want them I want them to come I don't want to say more prepared cuz I don't think they're ill prepared. I just want I want them to make the adjustments that they need to make cuz it's there. You see it, and then then we we fumble at the worst possible times. You know what I mean? We just there's a brain fart at the worst possible time. There's just the weirdest play call at the worst possible time. So whether these are growing pains, 
or if you're trying to do something and that I just don't understand, awesome. But like what I'm seeing, that's what's frustrating me. Well, the thing is, too, is we've been talking about O-line for five years now. Yeah. Five stinking years. And the the NFL and college have some similarities as far as football goes. The NFL game obviously is faster. It's a little different. But I still firmly believe that the battle of, of football and, and the victory is won in the trenches. It's, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Get bigger, get more aggressive on both sides of the ball up front. Period in a story. Protect the but, quarterback, get after the quarterback. Yeah, but but really, man, I think that's why a lot of Falcons fans are frustrated too because it's like offensive line again for the fifth fucking year, maybe even longer now, again with the offensive line? Like, I don't know their red zone numbers, but it wouldn't surprise me to see we're struggling in the red zone because guess what? That's been two two topics we've talked about for five years. We were actually, Red zone offense, offensive line. Three games in, we were uh, – top five red zone efficiency, yeah. you know, but hey, here we are. I don't know where we're at now. Do you know where, do you have I, that I, pulled up? I do not know yeah. what our red zone efficiency is now, but I, that pick in the end zone didn't help. Yeah. So again, uh, Falcons fans, I understand that, uh, and you know the dumbest thing I saw on Twitter? Arthur Smith doesn't care about winning because of his FedEx money. God damn it. Uh, that. Oh my God, that's the lamest shit. That's the the most cop out bullshit, dumb, fucking. I don't want to say uh, the wrong thing because uh, you know political correctness, but you probably know the word I'm thinking of. But it's most dim witted. One just dumb, dumb. Please go away. Don't even watch anymore. Just turn it off. But look, and I know that how the NFL is. We I've said it before. Every every three years, there's a new five year plan, but. You know, Arthur Smith, of course, is farther along in the in the game of, of learning the, you know, head coach position because he's been at OC and he's been in Atlanta. Was his third season now? Yep. But he's still – this just popped in my head. We're going to talk about this for a minute. Uh, it is Falcons-related. I couldn't believe it when I saw it today. I was kind of surprised. But, you know, he still has a rookie quarterback who has not d- – does not still have a full season under his belt. He's got a brand-new rookie running back. He's got offensive line problems. Now, what Terry and these guys got to do this year is go fucking fix it because we've got solid pieces in place. It's just, please, can we not talk about the O-line next year? If you don't do anything else, anything else, please just draft like nine offensive linemen. Please just fix it. But but you're at a point right now where you can and I'm not saying you weren't at a point to to make those draft picks to to bolster the offensive line. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you made decisions to get the players that you decided to get. Now you have all those players. And now the only thing stopping us from utilizing those players is potentially that offensive line. And maybe a little bit on the coaching staff. But either way, like now you have a clear focus of what you need to do. And even if you address it in free agency, even if you do that, like I, I would prefer you you draft some offensive linemen so that we have them for the future. But if you want to do both and get us somebody as a stopgap and get somebody else in there so they can learn and, yeah. and get the system and and then plug in after that, then like God, please, 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 pass rush and offensive line. Where's Taylor Lewin at? He's, he's he's around somewhere. That guy's an animal. He's an animal, but he's just as old as Jake Matthews. Yeah, um, but. Shockingly today, surprisingly, uh, the the Falcons let go of Jalen Hawkins. 
Yeah, I didn't like that. That, that was weird to me. I thought. I, I thought he had kind of you know was kind of a gamer. He made some plays for the Falcons. He was kind of one of those leaders on that in that second. And game. I don't I know just, if he's I don't know if he's banged up or not or or what what would cause that. Um, I, I I don't I don't know. I didn't look into that at all. I just I I honestly heard it on the way over here. Yeah, I saw it early this morning, but, you know, the IT game, uh, hey, so-and-so's computer's broke, fix it. Okay, bye, phone, got to go. I just saw that and was really surprised. I'll dig into it more. But uh, we are running a little short on time as far as it goes with this podcast. But we get So we, we can't leave without talking about caca. Them Hawks, man, they start next week. I know I already said it before, but holy cow. Basketball season's here. We've had a really good preseason, man. We've... Uh, that's no, preseason. I told everybody that they need to listen to me. That I, I was very blah about coming into the season based on our off season and what we did or did not do that people were hoping that we would do. Um, but at the same time, I also just sat back and you know patiently waited because you know I I have faith in in Quinn Snyder. I I like that he is our our head coach, and I think by the end of the season, I'm probably going to love that he's our head coach. He specifically wanted to coach Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, hey, everybody has used it, especially you. I've heard you use it probably four or five times now, but other people in, in the sports world and other people I've talked to around the office have used the word savant. Yep. He's a basketball savant. So when you look in preseason, and obviously we don't put a lot of stock in preseason, um for good reason, but, you know, at one point we had, you know, 10 steals at halftime, nine steals at halftime. There's a, uh, from from what I've gathered and, and read and seen, um, apparently Quinn is simplifying it on the offensive side of the ball um, so that it can make them be able to focus more on defense and whether that yeah. is... Whether that is how that actually works or not is is beyond me. But if if that's if that's something that was needed to help this team play better defense, I mean, it looks like it's already working. It looks like some of the guys that we have. Uh, I'm I mean I'm I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out when the regular season tips, and and I, I I'm interested to see that they've been running lineups with Akongwu and Capella together on the floor. Um, as like a super defensive lineup, I guess. Like they're, I I don't know. I don't know. I hey, if the other team can't score, they can't win. And yeah, hey, you know. And again, preseason to me, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to go full AI, just like basketball, football, baseball practice. We're talking about practice, but they've looked good in practice. They've won more practice games than they've lost practice games. And and we know that he wants Trey to shoot more threes. He wants you know, hey, stay on the outside, take some big shots. Just cut the half court shit out, please. Take take what's there. Take what's there, and and again, you know, I, I think basketball of all the sports is the one that you can simplify and get the best results with. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, breaking down and simplifying the game of baseball. That shit's like a chess match, man. It's mental of like, what are you gonna do if it's the bottom of the third and you're up by four and you got a man on second is not what you're going to do if it's the bottom of the third and you're down by four and you got a man on second. You know, it's just everything is this big swirl of, and really, basketball is, see that hoop? Get the ball in that one. Keep the ball out of that one. 
Now, I'm not saying there's not, hey, everybody knows, talked about Phil Jackson's triangle offense was like, you know, <laughs> some sort of advanced calculus. So I don't, I don't want to insult the game of basketball, but, you know, I, I think sometimes it is the one sport where you can kind of break things, th- things down and make them simpler, and it's a proven formula to, to win. Well, the early talks, too, that should intrigue most Hawks fans are that uh, they're talking about the Hawks being in the market to trade for Carl Anthony Towns by the trade deadline, which would be very interesting shakeup. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen a couple of different scenarios with a couple of different packages to get him here. So it would definitely shake up the team, but I, I don't know if that's the superstar piece they think that if you add an addition to Trangiante that would put us over the edge, I would love to see it. That guy can stretch to the floor, and he's even won a three-point contest. So uh, the way we play, I think he would fit nicely. Uh, but again, you, you look at what we have right now, they're still evaluating everything. Sadiq Bey looks good. Um, I don't. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is like the biggest question mark for me. I feel like he's the guy that you are probably dangling as a trade piece. Um, if you are still doing that, but God, man, for for rolling into another season already trying to trying to trade somebody and they know it, that's that's gonna be fun. But either way, I'm um cautiously optimistic and I, I can't wait to see it happen. I will be in the building on the twenty seventh when the Knicks get here and then I'll be in there again on the first when uh the Wizards come to town. So, um, so yeah, the the Knicks, that's the home opener. And then what do you got? Charlotte over there on the twenty fifth. That's the that's the season opener. Now my question is this: What's the over/under in, in 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 a combination of wins and losses? Not just wins, not just losses, but a combination of games. What's the over/under before it's Quinn Snyder sucks and we got a Quinn Snyder sucks and we've got to trade Trey Young? What's what's the over/under? That's, Nine. That's already it's already <laughs> happening. Yeah. it's already happening now. Quinn Snyder got to come in and like it, it was kind of weird when he came in last year, but people already don't want him here. Uh, and people already in still think that Trey Young is not the guy. So, like, the over-under is now. <laughs> it's, well, It's still happening. It's it, happening. It'll also be interesting how long they can keep the so-called drama that's been floating around Atlanta at bay. You know, uh, Tony Ressler's kid is playing GM. You know, my first basketball team. Um, you know, Quinn Snyder, there was, uh, there was some talk before saying he was uh, duped into coming here or misled. That he was maybe uh, allegedly, allegedly, I say, told some things that didn't pan out uh, to be true. I don't know any of this. It's all in the media. And as you, if you listen to this show enough, you know you cannot trust the sports media anymore because they're all. And I'm not saying it hasn't been like this. If you, I mean, I, and I know I'm probably repeating myself, but you know, hey, it's my show. I can do it if I want to. But everyone knows there were some Weasley reporters around stirring the pot. And making something out of the mantle, um, uh, merit situation that wasn't there. So there's always going to be those guys, just like the guy that overheard Arcia and reported it. You know, he got reamed out. But there's, and I don't know. We'll talk about that another time. Maybe when Michael gets on the show, we'll bring that up since it had to do with the Phillies and kind of, you know, did he get in his head? But there's always going to be somebody out to stir the pot and and blow something up and 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 blow it out of proportion. So again. We'll just have to see and, and take everything – well, you don't have to, but in my opinion, I would say take everything you read in, in the in the big-time sports media these days with a grain of fucking salt um, because you just don't know. And with that being said, we know we'll be back next week, and I've just cursed us.
but I don't think so. I'm, I'm going to say I didn't because uh, we're on a hot streak. We got about four episodes in a row. This was 52. I hope you enjoyed it. Please come back next week and join us for 53 because I'm telling you, can't stop, won't stop till we're at the top of the Atlanta Sports Talk food chain. We're out here. You know, I've seen our, our Facebook page is growing. If you're a new listener because of the Facebook page, thank you for listening. Please tell your neighbors, tell your friends, tell your friends' neighbors and your neighbors' friends. But until then, Atlanta, you guys stay safe out there in those streets because it's rough out there and it's also cold. And maybe, just maybe you'll see us at State Farm Arena October 31st for Mr. Dave fucking Chappelle because we're going. You should go too because he's one of the funniest humans to ever walk on the planet. But it's going to be a good time. Not sports-related, but we're in a sports arena. But until then, Atlanta, you guys be good. Good night, Atlanta. We love you, and we need you. Do you believe?